Quantum Conversations, your portal to the inner realms. Access infinite possibilities, infinite mastery, and infinite love. Mind-expanding, heart-opening conversations with some of the greatest spiritual teachers, luminaries, and healers of today's world. Usher in new earth by living in your sacred heart. Quantum Conversations is brought to you by AcousticHealth.com, home of music from the universe, online healing retreats, and this program. Claim your free registration to daily shows at AcousticHealth.com. AcousticHealth.com, your portal to the inner realms. Our program starts shortly. Welcome to another Quantum Conversation, brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and I invite you to sit back as we enter the Quantum Realm, that space of the greater part of you. It is your connection to infinite possibilities, infinite potential, and infinite mastery. In this quantum conversation, we are going to the giant selenite crystal caves of Mexico. Uh, you may recall when this was first out and discovered in the first uh, 21st century, the first part of that, it was so mystical and magical. Well, my next guest has actually physically journeyed inside those crystal caves, and she is here to tell about the connection those selenite crystals have to water which is, of course, consciousness. Leela Hutchinson is here with us. She is a gemologist, and she also presents this information in a spiritual way. Let's welcome Leela to Quantum Conversations. Hi, Leela. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure, Loren. I'm happy to be here with you and your listeners today. Well, our listeners are really into crystals, and this is a fascinating conversation. We know that crystals are of the second density, and they are a consciousness as well. Everything is energy. Everything is consciousness. As we talk about these beautiful crystals and how we can connect into them no matter where we are on the planet. Let's first talk about your story. It's quite synchronistic how you came to go into these crystal caves. Can you share that story for us? I'd love to. Um, this is a spiritual pursuit. This was really a journey and being on part of the journey was to seek and search for the self, the authentic self. So the story, my story really starts in um, October of 2000, and I received guidance from Spirit that I was to leave Northern California and move to Sedona, Lemon. At that time, I wasn't sure why I was going to move to Sedona, although I knew it was the court's 
crystal capital of the world, the metaphysical capital probably, recognized as such. But on my way to Sedona, I call it intersecting my destiny. And that is when I ran into the the person who invited me down on a government expedition into the Crystal Caves. So at that time, he did not offer me an invitation, but he asked me, and this is also written in my book, where he asked me to come out to the outside curb, and he got into his van and pulled out some photos. And when I looked at them, I thought maybe I was looking at a production setup. I, I couldn't really see or understand what I was looking at. I thought they were like little miniature crystals that were blown up and magnified. And he said, do you have any idea what you're looking at? And I said, no, I don't. Uh, There's some sort of crystals. And he said, they're um, these large crystals that were found deep inside the earth in Mexico in a silver mine. But hold on to these because I'm leaving for um, an expedition right now. And, and, I'll grab these photos from you later. You can send them to me. So I ended up going to Sedona where really wanting to find my purpose in life, Um, just on a deep search for information, for spiritual information, and to have those experiences. And I sat in my room in Sedona for a long time. I meditated. I really contemplated on the meaning of life and really wanting purpose in my life. And lo and behold, two months later, I get, uh, I reluctantly call this person and said I was ready to send back those original pictures that were taken in October of 2000 or maybe even earlier. The crystals were discovered in April of 2000. So you can see it was just like a mere six months after they were found. And he said, we've well, called in the nick of time and, and there's a seat on an expedition to go into those crystal caves if you want to be on it. And the, and I said, why me? And he said, because not only of your service work you did with the Tarahumara Indians in Copper Canyon, but I know you have a background as a rock climber, and I know you've been an avid hiker, and I think you'll do well to climb over these jagged crystals that are deep in the earth inside a cave. He said, <laughs> if you want to do this, you can, just so you know, it's, well, the caves were heated to a temperature of 136 degrees and 100% humidity. And by the way, there's no light, but don't worry about that because you'll have a miner's helmet. So you'll be able to see a little bit of where you're going. Are you there? Mm. Yes. Can you hear me? Okay. You are there. Good. Yeah, I can't. Something happened. So to continue on with that, I was, my palms were sweating. I was extremely scared, but I know that I needed to do it because like in the search and on our adventures in life, there's always challenges. And so even though I was really terrified to be underground, number one, and two, into an unknown area, and three, what is now considered the most hostile environment on planet Earth to work in is this Mm. particular mine in Mexico, in Nica, Chihuahua, Mexico. Agreed to do it, and so on the 21st of January, I drove to Tucson and then on down to my hometown of El Paso and straight south into Chihuahua and stayed the night in a hotel there, and the next morning our expedition team, uh, explorer team, gathered. Um, 
inside the hotel in Chihuahua City, and then we drove to Nica and met with the Pinolas mining officials and grabbed our mining helmets and lights and battery packs and were driven. It took about an hour to get down, and that's what it seemed, inside the tunnels down to about 1,000 feet and where we parked the truck. And we got out into these mining tunnels, Lauren, that were cooled to about 102 degrees. And it was suffocatingly hot at 102, and that's uh, that cool air was coming from a mine shaft uh, from the top of the Nika Mountains that was drilled into it. And we climbed up a, a very rustic-looking wooden ladder into a hole that was punched inside bedrock. And what I saw on the other side was completely astonishing. And it was just a mass of crystals in a chamber that was about a 30 by 60, maybe maybe larger. It had to be larger than that um, room. And my mm-hmm. job was to climb deep, uh, deep down into a chasm and then up the other side on a crystal waterfall. That's what it looked like. It wasn't moving. It was static. Mm-hmm. Of these beautiful selenite crystals that had a gorgeous overtone of blue. Uh, and find my way and explore as deep as I could into these crystal caves until I couldn't reach any further. But there the challenge was that even when the National Geographic teams of 2008 and 2010 went into these underground caves to explore them, they did it with suits on, these mm-hmm. low-tech suits that they had their bodies covered in ice packs. Wow. And their heads as well. We didn't have any of that. Um, we you were, were just in shorts and a T-shirt. Correct. Mm. That's right. For about 42 minutes in the first cave. Now, you had mentioned that it was 102 degrees of the cool air coming in from the mine, but it was much hotter than 102 degrees. That's... It was 128 degrees inside wow. there, completely pitch black mm. and 100% humidity. And as maybe some of your listeners know and are acquainted with these large planetary crystals, that combination of deadly heat and humidity mm-hmm. does not allow the body to sweat and cool down the organs. And that that's what happens. The, if you can imagine, if you had a child that had a temperature of 106 degrees, you would rush your baby to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So the fact that there's a risk of sustaining neurological damage along with going unconscious and falling over those crystals, it would not be easy for someone to come in there and rescue and take you out of there. Mm. So it was, we risked our lives. It was, uh, it was an amazing journey to be in there. So were you sweating then when you were in there? Cause I know in your story, in your book, you've, you said that the selenite was very slippery cause you, of course your hands were sweaty. And so, you know, even with this heat, you you can still sweat, but you're not cooling down in the normal fashion. That, yeah, you can't. You can't. There's nothing that's going to dry and cool down. It's just become mm-hmm. slippery because 
100% humidity, you're, <laughs> you're like in a hot sauna, a super hot sauna. So everything is very wet. Your clothes become wet. Your hands and your body are, you know, lobster red mm. from the intense heat. And the, the crystals, they're selenite. And even though on a Mohs scale, they're only a, a two, which means they're very soft, they still have brittle blades and striations in them that mm-hmm. can puncture or scrape. Sure, right. Yes, anyone who's got a selenite wand, and we'll talk about this in a in a short moment. I've got one, and I've used it, and there is something magical about this wand. Um, It can create a field around us, a field of protection around us. Before we get there into some of the stories about these crystals in your life, let's talk more about when you were in this crystal cave, because... You, gosh, you know, you mentioned that it was like a crystal waterfall. It's almost like the crystals were made um, in this waterfall cascading effect, and they are connected to water. You also heard a sound. Can you talk a little bit about that sound that you heard? I will. Let's go back to why these crystals are made out of water. Mm-hmm. This is fascinating. You know, if you take a, a quartz crystal, silica dioxide, it's through heat and pressure over long, long, long periods of time that create those crystals. And believe it or not, the larger our quartz crystal is, the shorter the time it became that large of a crystal. Isn't that interesting? But the smaller they are, the longer it took to grow. Right? That's because the conditions weren't optimal. They weren't optimum. So in this, in the case of selenite crystals, hydrated calcium sulfate, it's an evaporite. It's a salt. What happened through fissures in the bedrock? There was a hydrothermal exchange of water that was coming up from aquifer deep below the mine. And what was heating this aquifer to make these high temperatures? Because most caves are, you know, you go into a cave and they're like an average temperature of 55, right? 55 degrees, 50 degrees. Ice caves are certainly much, much colder. But they're cool. But So why was this extraordinary heat happening where most caves are very cool? And that's because there was a pinch of magma that was heating this aquifer underneath the mine. And so thinking of it as steam coming up the fissures in the bedrock, it was the perfect condition to take the minerals that were coating the walls inside these bubbles um, bubbles in bedrock. And the crystals literally began to grow off of all the walls. And you can't really think of it as rectangular. you got to think of it as a bubble. So... There were defying gravity in a sense because the crystals were growing from the ceiling. They were growing from the floor and on the sides and they were all converging upon each other. If the miners had not drained the aquifer down to 2,200, 2,300 feet, we would have never found these giant crystals. They would have been submerged in water forever. But the Delgado brothers in 2000 were on assignment to find 
and search for lead, zinc, and silver in a particular vein. And as they were drilling, they came across this small hole, and they punched the hole in the bedrock, thinking they were going to find this vein of silver. And they were astonished to see, with their mining helmets, these these massive crystals. And they had Mm. been sitting in there, steaming, drained of water, they believe since probably maybe the 1970s. Mm -hmm. And no one had known that they were there. So the thing I really want to impress is that these massive crystals that are weighing as much as 60 tons, they have a circumference of range of 13 to 14 feet in width. They're close to 40 feet tall, and they're pure, beautiful, somewhat translucent, somewhat completely transparent crystals grew out of water. So you can think of this place as a womb inside Gaia. It was a birthplace. It birthed these crystals out of the memory of water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when we mm-hmm. when we went in there, I was completely altered. And I can tell you this, when your body is stressed under such extreme conditions, its only pursuit is survival. And so the, 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 the brain becomes compromised in a sense. It's, it's altered, and it's not like you're looking around in enjoyment because it's intensely uncomfortable. You can hardly mm-hmm. breathe. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until much later when I started to view the images coming out of those pictures of me crawling all over the cave and the crystals that I understood what was really there. The color, the scope, the size. The one thing that didn't impair my ability to perceive, and that was two things. One, I could hear a sound. It was like a deep hum. And I wondered where that was coming from, and I asked some of the other people if they had heard it, and they hadn't. But I did. So that was really amazing to me. Mm -hmm. And the other perception I had was the feeling that there was more than just us in those crystal caves. That there was a sense of consciousness and other beings Mm. were in there with us. Mm hmm. You just picked that up naturally. You just knew. You knew what you knew within. Mm hmm. Well, I, I, I would like to suggest to uh, your listeners as well is that when, when we, the extraordinary experience of when we go underground or into a cave, we take a digital frequency that we live in with microwave radio towers and satellites and all sorts of things. And we go into an analog environment. And then we pick up other sensitivities that we have. We're more sensitive to hearing something, more aware, maybe seeing something, feeling something. Because we're not being interfered with by 
wireless technology and electricity, high wire poles, those sorts of things. So I believe that these extraordinary environments like this probably accelerate our ability to be more in touch with our divinity. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, to be in that environment, actually an environment you can't stand for more than 40 minutes without the extra suitage, the extra, you know, clothing that would protect you and to be in this magnificence. Let's talk. So that sound that you heard, you know, you were mentioning that because of this environmental condition that you were in, uh, you didn't, you know, it's like the sense, senses were overloaded. You were very open and aware, but it did take you some time to fully integrate the information that was downloaded to you in that experience. What mm-hmm. did you discover about the sound then? So no one else had heard it, but you did. And this is almost, was it like a, a heartbeat, some may say perhaps it was the sound of ohm. What was that like for you? Mm, very good, very good. It was more like the sound of ohm. It was consistent in a very, mm-hmm. very low frequency, very low tone. And what I've come to research and, and better understand is that we have a iron-nickel-crystalline core. And it is spinning, and it could be part of that that's coming right from the core of the earth. That if, you know, if anything, we know that when something moves, it creates a frequency, and it can be an audible tone. And that is where I'm connecting this to. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was, that was part of it. And there's another magic and mystery that I really can't, I can't go into because it's more of a deep inquiry, but water and crystals, minerals and metals, they're all singing to each other. They're growing. Mm. And I think they're singing to each other with their own frequencies and harmonizing some kind of co-resonance. That makes perfect sense. We know that everything is energy and everything has a frequency. Every one of our internal organs has a frequency. And isn't it fascinating that those frequencies match planets and the earth? So to think of these, the water crystals and minerals singing to each other with that vibration, that is harmonics. And then also when we in our consciousness of humanity work with those frequencies, with our intention, it is our intention that we can work with. Have you done much of that where in meditation, I know you do work with clients and you work on healing the inner waters, but how can you uh, work with our intentions and connecting to these crystals for information or uh, just for inner knowing? Mm. 
Okay, that's a good question, and and I and this is where I would love you to share in a moment your story okay. with your yes. your own selenite one. So the work that I do with um, with groups as well as we I take them out onto the to the land, and because crystal is an amplifier, right? Quartz crystal is certainly an amplifier. But the selenite crystals are more of a transmitting and receiving data. They're they're information conveyors. So if you look at a selenite spar crystal, satin spar crystal, you will see striations in these crystals that are information carriers. They're pure light. So, and I'll get into more of the properties of selenite, not only physical, but metaphysical. But when we, when we tap in with selenite, we can hold a meditation, a, a, you know, a visual meditation and work with the land and begin to heal the land. If you think about, and I'm sure you've traveled many places, Loren, when you go to a power spot on the planet, it's almost like a analog message that comes up through the ground to our feet to trigger a remembrance. How many times do people have a reincarnational experience, a memory of something before or something in the future that's happened in these power spots like Machu Picchu or Stonehenge or other places. Mount Shasta. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. So it's, it's cellular memory. And again, we know that water holds memory. So we can, we might have had a beautiful experience and we may have, might not have had a, a wonderful experience on some of these places. We might have been our life extinguished in defense of this or through illness, through war, through power struggles. And so when we go back to these places, and this is the kind of work I've done on something I call the planetary crystal grid, we're able to gather in groups and through working with selenite, not only pieces on the ground, but in our hands and a guided visualization, we can recode those places. We can regret it and we can recode it. So would you tell me the power of selenite is the ability, it's <laughs> perpetual white light. <laughs> so it it can't hold a program. That's the beauty of working with selenite. Mm, it's, mm-hmm. it's pure intention is a very, very high frequency of light. In fact, it actually resonates to about 244.5 megahertz. What does that mean? So a hertzian cycle is one cycle per second. So selenite resonates in cycles at 244 million cycles per second. High frequency. Mm-hmm. So I believe that intention and memory work together to create a manifestation. 
So this is a perfect place because you told me this wonderful story, and I would love for you to share it, how you worked with your wand of selenite in your life. Oh, I'd love to share that. It's uh, It was total validation and confirmation for me. And I do want to say that I've got uh, other forms of selenite. It is such a beautiful, fine energy when you have it. I have one in an egg shape, and I have one as a, a laser massage wand. And all of these uh, these tools, these crystal tools, have they literally clear out a room of negativity. Like you said, but I've got this crystalline rod or wand, let's say, this selenite wand that it must be 18 inches long and four inches thick square. So it's pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got to be like 10 pounds. And I see the striations that you're talking about and it does splinter. And you know, selenite does not, if you were to put selenite in a fountain, or water, it would disintegrate. So it's interesting mm-hmm. that it comes from the water. So it really is a living being. And when it, when it's outside of the water, it could get more um, flaky, right? It could start to dry out a yeah. little bit. So in a way, and deteriorate. So it's interesting that if you put it in water or in a water fountain, it will deteriorate, but it was, it came from water. So here's the consciousness that came from water. That is just very fascinating to me. Um, two stories. It was in 2000 and I believe it was eight where we had a forest fire, uh, come through our neighborhood and we were living up in the foothills of Boulder. And as this big plume of smoke was coming our way, I connected with my cosmic mama, Shirley Irene, and she said, take that selenite wand. And we literally, I raised it and we connected deep with the great central sun and the core of the earth. And we literally Mm. put a grid around the house and we called it a firewall she intended to bring in a firewall. And as we were evacuated from her house, there before our eyes were the slurry bombers and on the ridge right above our house was the slurry line that actually was the literal firewall. And it protected the whole valley from that fire that was creeping up over the mountain. So that was really interesting, isn't it? And then in 2013, we had a flood. And in our neighborhood, everyone lost their basement, uh, their drywall, everything, because the bottom, uh, their basements flooded from this flood. And we didn't have any damage. We didn't have any basement flooding whatsoever. And we stood with our neighbors in their kitchen, four of us, and we connect, we did the same thing where we connected up and we connected down. And as soon as we got done making this connection, my friend's phone rang and there was his friend saying he had a pump for his for his basement. So that was kind of like, wow, isn't that cool? As soon as we did that ceremony, he gets the phone call from his friend saying, here's this pump. I'm going to drive over and give it to you. And then our basement never flooded. So it is so How did you fascinating. use the selenite? How did you use the selenite, Lauren, in that the ceremony with the three other people in the kitchen? 
literally like a wand. We all had our hands on it and we did the same mm. grid. We connected up to the great central sun, all four hands on this wand and then down into the earth. And then we put an octahedron, four-sided triangle, top and bottom, inverted triangle around us and around the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So it was very simple, but clear on the Mm -hmm. intention. Mm -hmm. Powerful. Powerful. Wow. So what's going on here with that? that? I mean, I know that's right. This is how we do it. This is how we connect in with our crystals and use them as tools. But then from your perspective, your comments on that. Hmm. Well, I'd like to just reacquaint. I know many of the people that are drawn to selenite have pieces of selenite. And there's also such a feminine quality, right? Because it's water. It's magnetic. It's water. It's pure white light. So Many, many women are so drawn to uh, the Solani and, and men too. In fact, I just watched um, the documentary by Dr. Stephen Greer on Sirius, and there was, in his e-SETI groups, they actually built a medicine well and had two of the Solanite rods calling in the extraterrestrials right in the middle mm-hmm. of their gathering. Mm-hmm. So they use it. <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. So if I could just take a moment, I'd like to just reacquaint your listeners what some of the properties of selenite is. May I do that? Beautiful. Thank you. Okay. And I love her, by the way. Melody, love is in the earth. This mineral provides for clarity of the mind and expanding one's awareness of the self and of one's surroundings. It can be used to access past lives as well as future lives. This access is provided by rubbing the crystalline structure with a finger or thumb, not a fingernail because we know it's soft and it can scratch. During the activation process, when the meditative state is attained, the visual images will appear. It is. It should be noted that the access to the future is also compatible to this life. One will be prevented will be presented with situations which are likely to occur during this life on this plane. It can also assist one in issues of judgment during adjudication of disputes. It has been used as a sharp sword of awareness, cutting through unconscious assumptions and promoting the reconnection between the conscious self and the mystic who lives within the superconsciousness. Selenite can be used to provide both flexibility to one's nature and strength to one's decisions. It allows one to see the inner workings of any situation and to understand the superficial and the deeper meanings inherent in the same. It also allows one to access the interior of the physical body in order to understand existing disorders. It has been used to align the spinal column, allowing the selenite to traverse the spinal column from the base of the spine to the back of the head. It seems to remove energy blockages while traversing in the opposite direction. It seems to smooth the flow of energy. It can also promote flexibility within the muscular structure. And I think the way it would do that, Loren, is because there are pieces called fishtail selenite. So they're like twinning. They're twin crystals. And so they're like polar opposites. They, 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 they're not polar opposites. They're reflecting uh, each other. 
So it can be used to provide amelioration of disorders associated with poisoning due to metals and the fillings of the teeth. It can also be used to facilitate regeneration of the cellular structure and the protective membrane linings which surround the cells. So, lots of powerful, powerful work to be done with selenite. And I just wanted to share that. Also, Katrina Raphael, the crystalline transmission. Maybe there, I'm sure there's plenty of, of your listeners that have worked um, and have read her transmissions on selenite. Do you want me to read it that too, or do you want me to just move on? Oh, no, that would be beautiful. Let's hear that. Okay. Selenite is one of the crystalline formations that has just recently been activated and is beginning to reveal itself. And as Robert Simmons says, Loren, it's a stone of the new consciousness. This stone mm-hmm. has the ability to alter the very nature of physical matter, which I was saying. It can bend light. That's what fishtail selenite is. It can move. The world of form and matter is able to change and alter itself. The laws that govern the physical plane are transmutable. We have accepted them as absolute, definable, and rational because they are able to prove with the linear frame of thinking. But what happens to our reality when we see, understand, and know that those laws are governed by yet greater laws? Selenite makes us realize that all things are possible here on Earth. In the golden age, we are rapidly approaching. Light will become one with the physical world. Selenite is very much like the harbinger to this age of enlightenment as it heralds the approach of the marriage between spirit and matter. So it also works with, let's see, selenite manifests as ice clear, some of the properties. It is like liquid light. Its striations are the pathways for the illuminated substance of spirit. Selenite resides on the thread of the threshold between pure white light and physical matter. It vibrates more on the spiritual level than it does on the physical and capable of displaying total transparency. Selenite's essence is that which dreams and visions are made of. So it activates the soul star, which is 36 inches above the head. So that's why when meditation happens and using it, we can, we can access these other multidimensionalities, these other lives that we have in multidimensions. If we sit with a piece of selenite, and rub it between our hands as we're meditating. And then, then the visions will come. It's a fascinating, beautiful, extraordinary crystal. And what's so beautiful about this, Lorraine, is that there's Mother Earth, there's so much uh, of selenite and the gypsum that it comes from in many places in the world. Mm-hmm. We have a huge deposit, not only in Mexico, underground, but also connected to uh, a place in New Mexico. There's uh, in Texas. There's some in Utah. Of course, Morocco. There's a lot of crystal that comes from Morocco, and a lot of it. I mean, maybe you've seen it. It's orange. It's got the iron oxide inside the selenite crystal because because it's water. It collects sediments from the soils as it becomes white. Just think of it as like a a filter that you put in water, like a charcoal filter. Mm-hmm. It goes through different layers to take all the particulates out. So at certain layers, even if it's like 200 feet underneath the ground, the water, uh, as it becomes a crystal, it will pick up some of the sediment that has not filtered out. So you can see the deeper it would go, the, the clearer the selenite could be. 
Mm-hmm. And the information that it's got then, too. Okay, well, you do work with crystals in sessions that you've got for people. Now would be a really good time to talk more about that. How in a personal one-on-one session, um, what what is that like when you work with your clients mm. in healing with these crystals? Mm, beautiful. Well, as a graduate gemologist, and a lot of people don't really know what that is, um, so maybe it would be a good place to share that with your listeners. A uh, mm-hmm. gemologist has um, been trained and educated to determine the authenticity of a gemstone. And we do that through a series of laboratory equipment like uh, spectrum analysis, a microscope to see the inclusions, the refractive index of a stone. So one of the ways that Spirit has guided me to work with these gemstones is that I have a number of selenite pieces, quartz pieces, other beautiful crystals, and then I have gemstones such as tanzanite and amethyst, diamond, emerald, ruby. And how I perceive the energetic body of, uh, around a human a being is that it's, it's I look at it as a spectrum of 12 colors from black to crystal. And for me, there are 12, this is a, like a 12 color 12 chakra system so we began with using like something like obsidian and below the feet and we end up above the crown using a crystal Um, I like to use a quartz crystal for the lotus the crown so you can see and then all the rest of those are placed on the body say so for the upper solar plexus that would be peridot And as I lay these crystals on the body, the other thing that I do is I work with tuning forks. And these tuning forks are, I call them the rainbow light body set. And so they are um, colors in the infrared to the ultraviolet in sound, so in hertz. And then I use that on the body as well to start to clear blockages out. And as we do that, there's also a a period where we sit and really understand what's happening with someone emotionally. Because I believe that all these blockages are really coming to us and manifesting in a physical body through the emotional body. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm saying about healing the inner waters. Um, We work with cellular memory I work with selenite with cellular memory with my higher guidance to assist in helping people release these blockages yes and and so when you do that and you work with these crystals you're doing it in a remote healing session and that's like you're working with the etheric body and of course intention and your intuition of the crystals to use in that session Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Good. Okay. Absolutely. Well, thank you for that. Those who are interested in those sessions can check out the special offer button on this webpage, which explains more about what goes on in a personal session with you. 
And what I like to um, also mention is the online healing retreat. This is a visual presentation that you are going to do as we journey deeper into the Selenite Caves. And that will be an exquisite experience. Can you talk a little bit about this presentation? You go around and do this in person, and we're doing this Mm -hmm. on a retreat in webinar format. And so it'd be wonderful to learn more about uh, what is involved with that presentation. Mm, I'd love to. Um, First of all, just to tell some of the listeners here that are interested in this that – um, my presentations are, there's three kind of portals into these crystals. One, there's the spiritual implications, which you and I are discussing today. There's also the scientific, which I'm really excited to share, in that two weeks ago I met with the director of NASA's Astrobiology Institute because in February of 2017, when they extracted the water from the selenite crystals, they discovered microbes that were completely alien to Earth. So the implications of life that came here, possibly from another planet, maybe it was Mars, Mm -hmm. maybe it's a, a collision of that, or maybe something else. We know these microbes are the building blocks of life, and that through a DNA analysis that they have found that there's nothing remotely close to these on earth really lends into the inquiry. Like where have these come from exoplanets? Have these come from outside our solar system? So these are the questions that uh, NASA is pondering as well. So that's more the scientific side of associating. So it's a geological We'll, we'll take a journey and show all of the rare images that I have uh, and present this information on where people would love to learn about the mineralogy, the geology, the crystallography, and, of course, sharing my journey with everyone and the mm-hmm. spiritual implications. And then the third part would be is really to understand that somehow this cluster of massive crystals, the largest ever found on the planet, are connected to a great amount of phenomenon and paranormal events that have happened in this Chihuahuan Desert, which is over 200,000 square miles, encompassing northern Mexico, Texas, New Mexico, and the eastern part of Arizona. Isn't that interesting? We're talking about UFO crashes to massive giant bones found inside Copper Canyon Mm. through mining tunnels. Yes, very fascinating. I mean, your research into this is very in-depth, and that will be fascinating. You've also been on Coast to Coast, and you share this around our planet. We have just a few minutes left here, Leela, but can you talk about the crystalline grid. We are actually calling the 144,000 masters to awaken, to step up and fully assist in consciousness to light up this crystalline grid. However, these um, selenite caves are connected to the 144 ley lines connecting the crystalline grid. Can you talk just a moment about that? 
I'd love to. Yes. I, in my work and, and research, I believe that because these massive pylons are interplanetary transceivers, right? Transmitting and receiving data, information, that they are actually coming, let's say there's galactic messages, signals that come in from the galactic center of the Milky Way and the great central sun through whether it's cosmic particles and neutrinos that actually, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, okay, great. <laughs> um, that, that actually move through and are received by these selenite crystals. Because this is, a, I call it a node, so a cluster of crystals within the Earth, and I believe there's several more of these inside Gaia, that they are feeding that into the planetary crystal grid, this sacred geometry of the double penta dodecahedron, 144,000 lines. All right, mm-hmm. so it's partially within the Earth, and it's also all around us. So I believe at one time that we could, we had much finer vision than we do now, and that we were able to see all the vertices of this grid, this beautiful flowering sacred geometry grid around the Earth. And I believe it's it's there now. I know it's there and that we tap into it. And I think these crystals also play a role in that for Gaia. And so into our well-being, I think, is the ability to really tap into what some call the fifth-dimensional energies of where we are really fanat- We are manifesting heaven on earth. Yes. We can do that. We, we can mm-hmm. create the reality that we want. And there's so many of yeah. us that are working, working with such high integrity. You know, we're aware and we know that we're all connected and we're all working so much to bring that about on a massive scale. On a massive scale, and now is the time, and yes, we are doing this, and many people, there is a whole subculture of people who are out there working with this grid system, and it is connected with the crystals, and oh my goodness, isn't it fascinating that water is part of the story? It's all part of the story. Masaru Emoto says that water is God, and we've learned from other people that water is multidimensional as people who uh, have been working in other dimensions have seen water in other dimensions. So we even have old ancient indigenous songs, all life comes from the sea. So it is simply beautiful. What a beautiful experience you've had and that you share as we say goodbye today, any last words you'd like to share? We do. I wonder if you know about the particle convergence coming up in August of this year. No, please tell me, tell me more about that. Okay, we will be talking about that on our show this week. It is a highly energetic time. And so 
the important thing to remember is that now at this moment it is time to awaken as many people as possible so that when this particle convergence does take place with an eclipse, then the consciousness oh, is yeah. there and it's set. So it's, it's like a harmonic convergence, but this is a particle convergence. Ooh. And so. Yes, with the eclipse beautiful. in Oregon, right? Yes, mm-hmm. and these crystals play a part of it as we are really anchoring and activating the crystalline grid. Absolutely, and I would just say and leave with our readers that, our listeners, I should say, um, that this consciousness is an inside job. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the awareness comes from our experience, and that we have all the answers inside of us. Yes, and you assist with your client healing sessions in helping people awaken to that inner guidance. Thank you so much, Leela Hutchinson, for following your own journey of the heart to connect in with these selenite crystals and the crystals in all the gems that you do. This has been a beautiful and fascinating quantum conversation. Thanks so much for being here. Now it's time to dance our way to the cosmic heart. Enjoy. In the moon of the budding trees, I was gifted new eyes to see. All that is shifting shapes and ways you can be. Wake the dreams into realities Wake the dreams into realities Sunset diamonds trickle down our cheeks The language of no words is how we speak Poncho mama spinning fire lighting Little bear singing by the fireside out of the city with the wind on our necks check that's us whistling upon your neck moonlit diamond sparkle into my mouth feels like hunger and it tastes like salt feels like hunger and it tastes like salt so tap me out and tap me into you heal my brain my body to balance my chemistry hydrate these cells cause the body talks and meditation helps the body talks and meditation helps Bottomless curves of the moon Heavy lifting for Pele's children Hand of the goddess soaking cliffs keep building Plate is full but appetite has dwindled I feel a little sick so I keep the fire kindled You the pillar, steadfast light of bravery And I the dimly burning candle still shaking 
riddle fear quiver my bones so easy Well you're the guru now so visualize healing Yeah you're the guru now so visualize leaving Let her go for she can no longer feed you And many children need that mana creature Just barely missed you I was finally ready But you are long gone too much heavy history yeah, you are long gone, too much heavy history Let go of blame, that shit will never serve me Bless other men, investigate your mystery So, tap me out and tap me into you Heal my brain and my body too Balance my chemistry, hydrate these cells cause uh, Body talks and meditation helps. The body talks and meditation helps. Oh, 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 oh. Behind my ear and whisper secrets Dragonfly was by and sings now teaching Yeah, dragonfly was by and sings now teaching Form on the trail, I watch you head up the Malka I turn Makai and whisper, thank you sister Edge of the west where water touches land You are the east with folded maps in hand Time to increase my frequencies And a light and body's talking Give me some of that wild fox medicine But keep me here in this wild present tense Fully supported on new lover's chest Dawning adventure sparkle get some rest Dawning adventure sparkle get some rest Chemistry, hydrate these cells cause the body talks and meditation helps. The body talks and meditation helps. Oh, oh.
We leave you now with music from the universe. Music literally created by the universe as musical notes were assigned to mathematical equations. The result is this beautiful music available at AcousticHealth.com. Namaste. Quantum Conversations, your portal to the inner realms. Access infinite possibilities, infinite mastery, and infinite love. Mind-expanding, heart-opening conversations with some of the greatest spiritual teachers, luminaries, and healers of today's world. Usher in new earth by living in your sacred heart. Quantum Conversations is brought to you by AcousticHealth.com, home of music from the universe, online healing retreats, and this program. Claim your free registration to daily shows at AcousticHealth.com. AcousticHealth.com, your portal to the inner realms.